every once in a while you'd hear like there's a loud noise up up on top floor and what he would do is he'd like his salami as hard as possible so he would pull it out of his drawer every once in a while and bang it against the desk and if it wasn't hard hard enough to his liking he would just toss it right back in the desk and wait for wait for another couple weeks welcome to our food journey a podcast by hormel foods on this podcast we feature conversations with all sorts of influencers and tastemakers in our food system For the last few years, charcuterie has been one of the top trends in America, and no charcuterie board is complete without a selection of fine, cured Italian meats. But what makes a great charcuterie platter? Should you slice your salami thick or thin? Should you eat the skin? These are all topics that Chef Ron got to cover with Evan Inada, the marketing manager of Columbus Foods. We hope you enjoy the conversation. This is going to be a conversation true to my heart because I am a sucker for great salami. I really enjoy it. Um, salumi, prosciuttos, anything like that. So, uh, uh, Evan, welcome. I'm looking thank forward you. to chatting with you. Yes, I really, thank you really for having am. Me. Can't go wrong with any salami, really. You know, we, we make a lot, so. Well, you can go wrong with salami. That is true. Maybe not yours. That but. is true. Yeah, for, if you make it the right way, it's tough to go wrong. It really is art. There's a lot of art and science involved in uh, salami and making it the right way. So that's really what we focused on over the last 100 plus years with Columbus. So it's been a fun time. So 100 years. Yes, and started in 1917 in North Beach, uh, Little Italy uh, in San Francisco, California. The uh, reason why we started over there was just because the climate's very similar to Italy. So one of our original owners, uh, Mr. Domagini, um, he was a traveling uh, salumieri master. He would travel from town to town, learning all these different recipes across the whole country. And when he moved to San Francisco, he found the climate's like extremely similar. So they would just, in the morning times, they would open up the windows uh, in our North Beach facility and let the fog creep in to really just get the temperature acclimation perfect to about the 68 degree temperature we need. So is is most is a lot of the salami still made here? Yeah, all the salami that is made for Columbus is still made in uh, the San Francisco Bay Area. So we have about roughly about 2.2 million pounds just dry curing as we speak in our facility of all different kinds. Got to come by. It's, it's, it's a got, nice. I mean, when a, you walk yeah. in, it's just got to be. It's got to oh. be overwhelming. The aromas. Yeah, it's like a little nice aromatic blanket. You could just wrap yourself in oh. and take a nap in there. So it's, it's a fun time. So, so that's the cure. That's where that's where your your meats are cured. Are they are they processed there? Are they made into salami there as well? Yes. Yeah, so everything from um, shipping in the pork shoulder um, through our doors over there, we we break down everything and we uh, we do all the mixing there and stuffing of the salamis, and then all of our salamis just dry have a drip dry room for about seven days, and then after that, once the fiore or the um, penicillium mold forms on the outside. Then we put it into different sections depending on the salami, and it ages anywhere from 21 to about 95 days okay. on there. So it all depends on the, the diameter. So 21 to 95 days. So what's some of the so is 95 days the oldest salami, or they're older? Yeah. So for us, 95 days is the oldest salami that we make. It's the finocchione salami, so real traditional Tuscany style salami. We're using uh, fresh garlic, wild fennel. Um, we're using uh, hand trim antibiotic free pork shoulder 
only on that. And um, along with the sherry wine and other ingredients while we're dry curing it, we put it in a natural casing where it just really gets that just beautiful, beautiful flavor after 92 days. So there's so many questions I want to ask right now. I don't know which one to jump into. Um, Remind me to ask you about the white on a salami. Okay. Um, But the the other part of it is I, I, I love really hard salamis. I, yep. I, you know, I look for that, and, yeah. you know, and, and when you cut them, it, they just have, they're just so intense in flavor, mm-hmm. you know, and I love the texture of what they have. And that happens in that 92 days? So that happens uh, as the whole curing process progresses. Really, the harder the salami, the longer it's aged. So yeah. if you, you could go, a few, as long as it's still in the natural casings that they're in, it just continues to get harder. So four or five months later, it tastes even better than it did uh, the first month. Oh. And our old owner, actually, every once in a while, you'd hear, like, in our offices, a loud noise up up on top floor. And what he would do is he liked his salami as hard as possible. So he would pull it out of his drawer every once in a while and bang it against the desk. And if it wasn't hard hard enough to his liking, he would just toss it right back in the desk and wait for wait for another couple of weeks. So, <laughs> you, you know, you'd hear that loud noise every once in a while. And that's fun. great. So what is the, so, you know, you see the salamis and there's this white on the outside. Do I peel it? off? Do I eat it? What is with that? You know, it all depends. For us, the the white, what it is, it's a, it's a penicillium mold. So it's very similar to a brie uh, cheese in a sense where the, the mold, we call it fiore because it's a little sexier and it's not as intimidating <laughs> to, the, to the customers, but it's really just a casing that helps the curing process begin. It really cuts uh, off all the, the air to the product, so then the fermentation process begins. Um, inside and a lot of times we do peel um, off the fiore depending on the casing but if we're using a natural casing salami like a smaller one like our salami secchi or our cacciatore salamis it's completely edible uh, casings with the white on it it actually is a beautiful kind of contrast and textures and flavors in there oh okay so all right yeah. the, do you do you have a, a prosciutto like we do we do make a uh we do have a, a prosciutto um that you do we use um for retail and we also wrap our uh prosciutto with a mozzarella in a little snacking um product of ours called a panino so right. a lot of different uses. We also have a couple other whole muscle meats uh, that we use. My favorite is the culpa. So it's a hand trimmed pork shoulder that we cure like a prosciutto. So it's actually it used to be known as the poor man's prosciutto um, just because they're taking a, a less expensive cut but still doing that same curing process. But nowadays it's, it's r- roughly around the same price. So it's mm. not the poor man's uh, version anymore, but just great, great flavor. So. I was I was gonna I was gonna ask you know so you know you know innovation wise you know you know salami almost doesn't want you know I'm I'm old school and I'm thinking salami doesn't want to be innovated on I mean you know it's been around for a long time yeah. and you know those traditional ones there's something special about them but mm-hmm. you know I, I guess there is room for innovation and uh, you know if you start looking globally are there some flavors from around the globe that are 
suitable and can be brought into this and 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 uh, uh, do, do is is there is there a salami that you made when you guys were done with it you were like this is terrible you know we, we've crashed and burned once or twice over the years we but should because yeah. if, we're not, if we're not pushing yeah. it we're not you know you know there, there's always trial and error to exactly. everything um we've tried a few different things on flavors that just didn't end up mixing well um mm-hmm. we, we've tried curing with beer over times and seeing how that works and we we want to perfect it first before we release it to the public but we're, we're getting there but it does everything takes trials and errors but you have one with wine right yes red yeah, wine all, that works all of, yeah all of ours starts off with wine so we start all of our uh re- regular line with a, a nice dark california red wine so we're using burgundy wine for that and then for our kind of upper echelon group of salamis um the artisans salamis we're bringing in sherry wine for that but we also are starting to look into just other other wines and cool. beers and other alcohols to kind of use in the salami curing process oh, but that's great. it's fun and innovation wise really i think the thing that we're kind of draw, trying to do now also is is make the traditional beautiful salamis that some people don't know about on a friendlier platform. So make it pre-sliced or make it easier to eat where you could just take a, a piece of salami that sometimes the name you wouldn't be able to pronounce or you're scared to know what's in it because of the shape and size of it and really just cut it down so you could have it with some great cheeses already set out for you that you know taste perfect together and just really start introducing a... a a new salami to a new group of people, even though it's been made for centuries. So the idea of slicing, I like mine thin. Yes. Okay. You, you, you thin, said yes. Yeah. So you answered my yeah. question yeah. without thin, me asking. Thin is the yet. right way to do it. Okay. You got to go thin for salami. And that's really the beautiful part about it, too. Some people, when they see it at the deli, they're looking at the price point on it. And $20 a pound for a piece of salami, they're like, wow, that's really expensive. But they don't think that they're never really going to get that much. They don't need that much. Right. You, when you slice salami the right way, which is a nice, thin slice, you could get for a large diameter salami like a finocchione, you can get about 45 slices and a half pound so that goes a long way and even the smaller traditional italian dries you can get about 62 slices or so roughly in a half a pound so you're only paying five dollars for that it's actually a better deal than even the the regular sausages and other things out there in the market for the amount that you're getting so, so do you do you have is are there only salami is there a, a, a lack of a better word a bologna like uh, you know wine that you make we do have uh, a couple cooked um, charcuterie items that we we really focus on um, we make a capicola which is uh, just a hand trimmed pork shoulder for us we just slow cook that with a little bit of our red pepper and paprika to give it a little spicy kick um, that's one of our favorite cooked items and for bologna wise we actually make a mortadella. So a very traditional mortadella, the recipe comes from Bologna, Italy. So very, very... Those nice big white pieces. Nice big white pieces of gel fat. Yeah, I'm talking about it. Yeah, people before, they've always asked us, is that cheese? I'm like, no, it's actually, it's good fat. But it is fat still. And that's one of the things I think a lot of people that are starting to fall in love with salami uh, didn't realize before um, is fat and Mm -hmm. the importance of fat in salami. Really... 
for us, we use a better cut of fat than most other companies. We use back, lean back fat to make all of our salamis. That helps us get that clean mouthfeel and makes the palate uh, not greasy when you're eating too much of our product as opposed to belly fat where it's more of a grease, lard-based fat that kind of sticks to the roof of your mouth if you eat too much of a lower-end salami. Mm-hmm. Made with that, for us, that back fat, just lean cut back fat, just keeps you coming back for more for salami. And used with the... the the pork shoulder, we actually, our ratio is about 80% lean hand trim pork shoulder, 20% lean back fat. And during the curing process, we actually lose 30% of the volume. Um, so by the time the finished product comes out, it's just a beautiful mm. mixture of uh, everything you need. Oh, and it, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, it's, you know, if, if you ever, when, when you have really, really, really well done lardo, mm-hmm. you oh. know what that means. Yeah. You know exactly what that means about yeah. high quality fat yeah. and, and how good that can yeah. that can be. And you you know you're right. You, you don't need a lot of this. Mm-hmm. You know I, I you know I people say you know I say I don't eat much meat and it's like well it is like, well, yeah I eat salami and prosciutto and it's well it's eat meat it's well it's not really meat. Yeah. You know I'm not eating a, a, a <laughs> six ounce eight ounce uh, portion of it. I'm yeah. having a little bit. So it's more of a condiment yeah, for me. Yeah, it's a starter. Yeah, you know, a just stacking, to get me going. Yeah, you know, yeah. just to make me feel like. I'm getting something yeah. out of this. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's fun, definitely. That's that's really that's really great. Um, Evan charcuterie's been a it has been definitely a hot trend uh, recently. Uh, I have I have two friends that have written books. I've got three friends that have written nice. books on it. Um, Master Chef Fritz Sonnenschmidt has written a book on it. John Kowalski at the CIA has written yep. a book on it. And from outside of Detroit, his name is slipping me right now, um, is all, with Michael Ruhlman, has also written a book on it. Okay, um, So I've got some friends that are really, really deep into charcuterie. What's driving the trend? You know, the, it's one of the food, hottest food trends in the last few years. If you look at really any new American restaurant, you, you see a charcuterie board as a starter. And it's really just a fun starter for any type of food. It doesn't have to be tied to Italian food food or French food at all. It really, for the millennial and baby boomer culture, occasions don't come just once every like few months, like a big occasion like Christmas or Thanksgiving anymore. It's people either host or attend a, a occasion pretty much 2.5 times on average every single month. So charcuterie boards are just one of those great things where you could put it on the table bef- and not have to worry about it in prep work and other things while you're making the main courses. So it just kind of is a nice plate to just really set a beautiful tone for the meal ahead. You know, we also are one of our original Salumiere masters, uh, or one of the ones that really brought us to the point where we're at now, Mr. Franzo Vecchio, and our old owner, um, Mr. Pacetti, they made a Salumi book as well, just talking about our salami and some great recipes. So if you ever ever want another, a fifth book, feel free to check that one out. <laughs> Thank okay. you very much. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Evan, can you, t- can you share a little bit about the... the um, the the new relationship with Hormel, how's that going? You know, initially when you're when you're purchased by any big company, you worry about like, oh man, what are they going to make us do to kind of get the product down to the price point that their other brands are at? But for us, we were really fortunate where they they bought us because they loved who we were already. Um, they bought us for our personality and our really our artistic ability to really do what we do. Um, 
meat is one of those worlds that there's different tiers for different customers. And for us, we're, we're the premium tier for just everybody that wants to enjoy just great quality product. So when they purchase us, they, they really told us, just keep what doing on what you're doing. You know, we just, you guys are doing it right. You've been doing it for a hundred years. So who are we to tell you that you're doing it wrong now all of a sudden? So it's really a fun experience so far. They've, they've just really given us a lot of support um, and manpower um, in helping us do what we need to do in certain instances. But in terms of the quality of the product, they've, they've left us alone on that end and let us do our thing. That's great to hear. Um, <clears throat> Evan, I, I really have enjoyed this conversation. Um, I am going to, when I'm back in, when I hit San Francisco and I am going to stop, I want to visit. I, I, I am like, as I said, and when I start off, I am just a sucker for salami and I just love, absolutely love, you know, the intensity of flavor and, and the textures and everything it has. So this has been a really great, uh, great conversation. Uh, a lot of fun yeah. um, talking about that. So thank you very much for joining us. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us on this episode of our Food Journey podcast. For more information about Hormel Foods and our engagement with our customers and partners, please visit hormelfoods.com. And do join us again.